Welcome to How to Catholic with Kevin and Lisa Cotter, a podcast dedicated to helping you practically live your Catholic faith with excellence. Welcome to the Liturgical Lowdown for the month of April. I'm your host, Lisa Cotter, and in this episode, I'll be giving you insights, histories, and ideas on how to celebrate and integrate the liturgical life of the Catholic Church into your own home this month. If this is your first time listening in on a liturgical lowdown, scroll back to Season 4, Episode 4, How to Liturgical Living, and give it a listen to get the most out of this episode. Thanks for joining me. Let's get started. Happy almost April, and we are halfway through Lent for this year of 2019, so that's exciting. I always like it when we're kind of on the downslide of Lent, which I think we're about there, just because then it means Easter's coming. But we're not going to talk a whole lot about Lent and Easter, despite the fact that that is both going on in April. We are here to talk about the feast days for the month of April and what's going on in the liturgical year for this month. And the reason I do that is because there's just a lot of transition with when Easter is and when Lent falls each year. But I do want to point out that I have already recorded, this was in season one, Kevin and I did a how-to Holy Week and a how-to Easter. So if you are itching for stuff on Holy Week and Easter and finishing out Lent strong and ideas and all the things we kind of do here, but specifically for Holy Week and Easter, you can listen to those two episodes, and I will link those in the show notes so you can get to them. But like I said, they're all the way back in season one. They're actually episodes 19 and 20. So you can go check those out. So let's focus on April. All right. So for the month of April, this month's devotion is to the Holy Spirit. And also you'll see people list it as to the Eucharist. So I'm just going to focus on the Holy Spirit, however, because the Eucharist is also August. So you can go back if you want ideas for the Eucharist, the Blessed Sacrament. uh, You can do that by going back to the August liturgical lowdown and listening to that beginning portion. So we're just going to focus on the Holy Spirit, which is this month's devotion. Now, the Holy Spirit, of course, is the third person of the Trinity, And he's this month's devotion because the Easter season usually begins in Easter and it culminates with Pentecost, which is the coming of the Holy Spirit. So ways to celebrate and meditate this month. I will link to some prayers. There are, of course, a million and one prayers for the Holy Spirit because he is who we call on. He's the paraclete. He's who we can intercess. Uh, You know, he, he... He's one who works in our own lives, in our own prayer lives. So there's, of course, a million and one, but I'm going to go ahead and give you three to look at. One is the chaplet of the Holy Spirit, which is kind of like um, like a divine mercy chaplet. There's different chaplets, right? But it has a special kind of bead to it. It's it's not, you don't pray it on a regular rosary. There's a specific different types of beads. So I will link to the chaplet and then also a place where you can purchase an actual uh, um, chaplet, like a physical one that you can buy. Sorry, I couldn't think of what it was called. And then I will link to the litany of the Holy Ghost in the very ever popular Come Holy Spirit prayer, the Come Holy Spirit, enter the hearts of our faithful and kindle in them the fire 
blah, blah, blah. There you go. Link into those. That's a great one to memorize if you have not memorized it. That would be awesome to memorize this month. Next, there are two encyclicals on the Holy Spirit that would be great to read this month. JP2 has one on the Holy Spirit and the life of the church in the world. And Pope Leo XIII has an encyclical. And I don't know the English translation for it. I only know the Latin, so I'm not even going to try to say it because I took Latin one time for a semester. No, I guess a whole year, my freshman year in high school. And that was a long time ago. And I'm really bad at pronunciations. So it's Pope Leo's encyclical. It'll be linked in the show notes. Fear not. Books for this month. Two books I would recommend. One would be Breath of God. And the second one would be In the School of the Holy Spirit. That's by Jacques Philippe. And then Breath of God is written by Father Dave Pavanka, who is also the... um, uh, personality, I don't know what you call it, the star of a video series that I would totally recommend you watch this month called The Wild Goose. You can get it on DVD. It's also on form.org and it's all about living your life in the Holy Spirit. So that would be a great thing to do this month as well. I'll also link to a couple of crafts for the kiddos. There are, of course, a thousand and one, especially with confirmation and some food, uh, Catholic cuisine, which I love and I recommend all the time, has a fantastic just compilation of all kinds of food that you can make having to do with the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fruits, all those kinds of things would be available to you right there. So I'll link to that as well. Now on to the Pope's intention for this month. It is for doctors and collaborators in war-torn areas. The Pope asks us to pray for doctors and their humanitarian collaborators in war-torn areas who risk their lives to save the lives of others. So some actions you could take this month as you meditate or more so as you pray for this intention would be to write that intention on a board, wherever in your prayer space, write it somewhere where you can see it to remember to be praying for that. And this would be a great month, I think, to pray about saints who were doctors and war heroes. So two that come to mind for me would be St. John Amala and Father Capon. If you're not familiar with Father Capon, he is a United States um, war hero, you could call him, whose uh, cause for canonization is currently underway. So look him up. And then finally, if you wanted to donate to something in honor of this intention, I think it would be neat to donate to the Archdiocese for Military Services. I know we have one here in the United States. I know other countries have them as well. But I think it's easy to forget that because military families move so often, they have their own archdiocese they, and they have their military bases. So they have their own um, archbishops and kind of jurisdiction of how they run their diocese at, at those military bases and at military different places where military is. I'm sure that was really clear. Um, so anyways, I will link to that and you can donate to that archdiocese if you would like to um, do something this month. All right. So, as I said earlier, the month of April is always filled with the seasons of Easter and Lent, so there aren't that many feast days that are celebrated during April because of Lent that's typically going on, or the Easter octave, and a lot of these feast days um, that I'm going to mention are suspended by other holy days, by other things that are going on, but I'm going to go ahead and list them because you might not be listening to this in 2019, you might be listening to this another year. 
So we're going to dive right in. Starting with April 16th is our first feast day, midway through the month. So you've got plenty of time to prepare for this. And that is the Feast of St. Bernadette. I'm actually not going to talk too much about her because it is in conjunction. All the ideas that I have or all the things I would tell you about it are, are the same thing as I said in the February liturgical lowdown for the Feast of Our Lady of Lourdes, which happens on February 11th. So you can go back again to that February episode if you would like to learn more about what you could possibly do to celebrate St. Bernadette. And I will also put any books or movies in the show notes. So those links are there. Um, and also just for fun, the 16th is also Pope Emeritus Benedict's birthday, uh, ben- Benedict's 16th birthday. He will be 92 this April 16th. So you can say a prayer for him on his birthday. And one more aside, I recently set up an Amazon page for all of these links. So you can either go to the show notes and you can click on the individual links, or I have this page on Amazon. We're calling it like uh, how to Catholic favorite things, something like that. And it has all of these things on one page so you can access it quickly. So all the books, all the products, anything we share here are categorized by month. And then I also created lists for like Catholic toys or we have a list of Catholic Easter basket stuffers, like ideas for Easter baskets or for stockings, um, favorite books on prayer. We have a whole section just for Easter products and things that we use that you can get from Amazon uh, online that we use in our home. It's all listed right there. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Um, I'm just getting requests for it a lot. Like, what was that thing? Where do you get it from? What is it that I'm looking for? So anyways, I just put it all together and I'm really excited about it. So I'll put that link in the show notes. And then also it's in my bio on Instagram. So if you go to my LinkedIn profile, it's like the first link. It's my favorite things on Amazon is what I've called it. So you can go there. And if you do make a purchase there, it does give us a slight kickback. So you would be supporting the How To Catholic podcast in a very simple way. If you're going to buy it on Amazon and you heard it from us, then great. So if you do that, then thanks. We'd appreciate it. But really, I just wanted a place to put all my thoughts in one spot and you have to have an affiliate page in order to do that. So there you go. That's my Easter gift to you. Okay, April 23rd. Let's keep going on these deep dives for our feast days. April 23rd is the Feast of St. George, which is an optional memorial, unless if you live in England, then it's a solemnity because St. George is the patron of England and has been since the year 800. So that's cool. St. George was a member of the Roman army who was probably beheaded by Diocletian around the year 300. So he's like a way back saint. And he's best known for the legend that surrounds him about slaying a dragon. (laughs) That's my Divine Mercy chaplet alarm going off. Uh, Okay. Well, didn't even think about that one. Anyways, St. George, he's known for slaying a dragon. As the story goes, there was a dragon that lived near a lake in uh, Libya, And he apparently was out, you know, conquering for the Romans. And this dragon was terrorizing everybody. And um, not even like the armies could defeat him. So St. George was passing by and apparently the dragon was about to eat a princess. I I just love this story because it's such a like a fairy tale story here. So he's about to eat a princess, this dragon. So George kills him with one blow of his lance. And what makes him a saint is not the fact that he killed the dragon 
because the dragon wasn't going to eat a princess. It's because after that, he said, I'm going to redistribute his reward money, and he gave it all to the poor. And then he preached the gospel to the people, and they all converted, and then he left the area. So that is the story behind St. George. All right, the prayer to St. George. I will link to a prayer to St. George. There are a couple of books. Of course, this is a great children's book. There's St. George and the Dragon. There's a million versions. I'm going to link to two that I like. And then on this day, you could really do any kind of craft or food that looks like a dragon, and you would be remembering that today was the day, the feast day of St. George, April 23rd. Next is April 25th, the feast of St. Mark the Evangelist. Now, St. Mark is the gospel writer Mark that we're talking about here, and he was not one of the 12 apostles. There's Matthew, the tax collector, and John, the beloved disciple. They were part of the 12, and they also wrote gospels, but Mark and Luke were not. So who is Mark? Well, he is most commonly believed to be the John Mark that we hear about in Acts. So he was the son of Mary of Jerusalem, who we hear about in Acts 12, 12, and her home became a meeting place for the apostles. So he's also the cousin of St. Barnabas, uh, Colossians 4.10 is the reference there, and John Mark, so Mark slash John Mark, same guy, Paul and Barnabas, so his cousin Barnabas, and then St. Paul as in St. Paul. They all went on missionary journeys together, um, and in particular, the one that's kind of known from the gospel, particularly, not the gospel, from Acts, um, or somewhere in the New Testament, I suppose it's not necessarily Acts. I don't know where, but they go to Antioch together in around 44 AD, and John Mark left them and returned back to Jerusalem, which caused Paul to question John Mark's dedication to spreading the gospel, and then Barnabas' cousin stands up for him. And then Paul and Barnabas quarrel, and then John Mark wasn't invited to go on the second journey to Asia. So, you know, even the apostles in the early church had some conflicts. But don't worry, they did make up, because later we hear Paul in prison talking about John Mark coming to visit him, and he calls him a trusted companion. So it's, it's all good. So this is the Mark that we're celebrating on this day. I will link to two prayers to St. Mark, and then on this day... Anything it's like food, craft related. There aren't really big. Um, well, there is actually. There is one tradition. I'll get to it in a minute. There's a couple. But first, um, for like a food or a craft this day, anything lion related, because that is Mark's gospel symbol. So each of the gospels have different symbols. Matthew's the winged man. Mark is the winged lion. Luke is the winged ox. And John is the eagle, who we don't have to say is winged because it's clear that he's winged already. So these symbols, they're taken from two places. They're taken from the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 1, verses 1 through 21. Um, while Ezekiel was in exile, he had this vision of this four-faced creature, and the faces were a man, a lion, an ox, and an eagle. And then we see these four figures again later in Revelation, chapter 4, verse 6 through 8. So St. Irenaeus, noticing these two trends here, he's the one who likened them to the four gospel writers because of what they focused on in their particular gospels. So you can read about that in his Against Heresies. I'm not going to go into all those details, but I will put the link in there if you want to know like why each gospel gets each symbol. It's kind of cool. So like any feast day that's old, there are some awesome traditions behind this day. And I just want to point out two of them. The first one is for the gentlemen. Gentlemen, traditionally on this day, something you can partake in that comes to us from Venice, Italy, is uh, 
a, a activity that's related to roses. So on this day, it's known as Rosebud Festival, and it's a it's a celebration in honor of Venice's patron, who is Saint Mark. And it's traditional on this day for men to give a single rosebud to the women they love. So, gentlemen, listen up. Get your lady a rose on the 25th and explain to her it's because it's the Feast of St. Mark. Why? Why a rosebud? Well, according to an 8th century legend, a commoner from Venice fell in love. I feel like (laughs) this is the month of like fairy tales. It's kind of fun. Okay. A commoner from Venice, he fell in love with this noble woman from Venice and he wanted to win her father's approval because he was a commoner and she was a noble one. So he went off to fight in a distant war and unfortunately it didn't go very well because he was mortally wounded while he was in battle. However, here's the sweet part. Before he died, he managed to pick a single rose from a nearby rose bush because most people die by rose bushes and he sent it back to his sweetheart he gave it to one of his companions and said give this to her as a final goodbye so gentlemen this is why you take a rose to your lady this is why venice has a rosebud festival on the feast of saint mark okay finally the last one if you happen to be near Aguas Calientes, Mexico, around this feast day, they host a three to four week festival called St. Mark's National Fair around this. And it's it's around this feast day. It's not just this one day, obviously. It's the three to four weeks um, surrounding this feast day. The dates kind of shift each year. Um, but up to seven million people come for the festivities that go on. And they've been going on for almost 200 years. So... There you go. If you really want to celebrate St. Mark's Feast Day, you just go to Aguas Calientes, Mexico, and they've got a party going on for St. Mark. Finally, well, two more. April 26th, Our Lady of Good Counsel is our next feast day that I want to mention, and it's connected to St. Mark's Feast Day, which is why I want to bring it up. So the 25th is St. Mark, the 26th is Our Lady of Good Counsel, and here's the connection. So Our Lady of Good Counsel is... Uh, The miraculous, it's believed to be a miraculous image of Our Lady and baby Jesus, which can be found in this Augustinian church in Santa Maria, which is just outside of Rome in um, Italy. So the story goes that in the 1460s, 1460s, a widow was trying to fund the renovation of this church, but it wasn't going very well. So in the middle of these town festivities for the Feast of St. Mark, So the day before this feast day, St. Mark's feast day, this mysterious music began to play and a cloud descended on this church that this widow was trying to to restore. And this cloud just like obliterated this unfinished wall in the church. And then when the cloud cleared, there was a new wall and on the wall was this beautiful, beautiful fresco that was painted on this like eggshell thin plaster. And that is the image of Our Lady of Good Counsel. So it's widely believed that this picture was originally in Albania and it was magically transported to this this church, this Santa Maria, just outside of Rome. So lots of popes and saints throughout the years have taken pilgrimage to this site to venerate the image and to ask for the intercession of Our Lady of Good Counsel. So that's the connection of why those two feast days are back to back. Last one. Last one for sure. We are on April 29th, which is the Feast of St. Catherine of Siena. It's her memorial. 
Catherine was born in Siena, Italy in 1347. And this was a really crazy time in Italy for the church and also just for the country. And so the Pope had fled from Italy and moved the papacy to Avion, France. And Siena, Catherine of Siena, being a bold laywoman, said, that's not right. And so she started writing letters to the Pope, telling him to kind of get over himself and come back home. And eventually she even went to Avion to convince him to come back and bring the papacy to Rome, which eventually he did. So she was really a, a motivational woman. And she did this not only with the Pope, but she would talk to princes and noblemen, and she would constantly be kind of the liaison bringing about peace in these conflicted areas. And she is now a doctor of the church. And what's amazing about all of this is that she herself was actually illiterate. So just a, a laywoman who was illiterate, and she would have people dictate these letters, and she would go convince people to do the right thing. So we love Catherine. I will link to a novena to Catherine of Siena that you can pray. There are several books on her uh, that you can get. Um, well, there's Catherine of Siena, The Story of the Girl Who Saw Saints in the Sky. That's a kid's chapter book. And then there are two books that are books by her. There's the Dialogue of St. Catherine of Siena, which is a really great spiritual work. I will link to that. And Catherine of Siena, Passion for Truth, Compassion for Humanity is a book about her life, which is Another fantastic spiritual reading. Both of those we read when I was in college in my spiritual theology class. So they really are classics to check out. There's a movie on St. Catherine. It's it's a kid's movie. It's My Catholic Family uh, by EWTN, Catherine Siena. And then a fun food that you could make this month would be panforte. panforte. Uh, It's a Sienese specialty. So it's from Siena and it dates back to the time of Catherine. So she might have eaten it. It's kind of like a fruitcake. So it's probably not that good, but hey, it's tradition. So, you know, if you are really into baking, that's for you. Finally, an activity for you to do on this day is to learn about a longstanding tradition in Siena, which is their crazy horse rake, the palino, the palio. There we go, the palio. And this is a race that goes on twice a year in honor of Mary. So it happens on July 2nd, sorry, July 2nd and August 16th, which is for the um, Assumption, which is on August 15th. And every uh, parish sends one representative to race in this race that goes around their main piazza, their main square, which is shaped like a a scalloped she-shell. And so they pack the place. If you, I'm going to link to a video of it. It's of Rick Steves, who is a travel guide who Kevin and I love. We talked about him in our pilgrimage uh, two-part series. But he has a section on Sienna, and he talks about the paleo. And you can see it's just it's just people are just wall to wall packed for these two races. And it's crazy because so they race around the shell, but each so this is only Siena. So each each parish from Siena sends a representative. So these people don't necessarily know how to ride horses very well. So it's kind of dangerous. But they race around and then the winner um is given a trophy, which is actually a banner of Mary that they get to then hang in their parish for the next year. And in fact, there's this whole tradition around it where before they even go, they they and their the horse and the horsemen, they stop by the cathedral and they receive the blessing from the bishop. And then um, afterwards, they go right back to the cathedral to get their banner. So it's it's a very traditional Catholic event that happens in Siena. 
which is pretty cool. All right. So those are our deep dives. A couple other feasts of note for this month. April 4th is St. Isidore of Seville. This is an optional memorial, and it's not Isidore the farmer, but Isidore the doctor of the church. April 7th is St. John Baptist de la Salle which falls on Sunday, so it is superseded by the Sunday liturgy this year. But he is the priest who founded the first Catholic school in the world in France around the year 1680. And April 28th is a powerful day here. Couldn't go into all of them, but there's St. Gianna Mola, who is a wife and a doctor who gave up her life for her unborn child. Also on that day is St. Louis de Montfort, who's mostly known, or I would say best known, for his total consecration to Mary, which is a, uh, a prayer that you do um, for several days. I think it's like 33 days or 30 days, something like that. And then there's also St. Peter Chanel, who's a priest, missionary, martyr. And this year in 2019, it falls on Divine Mercy Sunday. So this is like a massive day. Three great saints, Divine Mercy Sunday. And it's Kevin's birthday, so the Cotter House will definitely be celebrating on April 28th. And good news, it's no longer Lent on April 28th. That's it for this liturgical lowdown. Of course, the how-to challenge is to pick two things from this episode that you can integrate into your home. Use that hashtag HowToCatholic if you want to share. I'd love to see what you are up to. For all the links, ideas, prayers, resources books, anything that I shared, you can find them all in the show notes at madetomagnify.com. You can also go to that My Favorite Thing page on Amazon and everything will be right there. All the products, just one click, piled, compiled together in a simple, easy way. Until next month, be saints. It's worth it.